A huge medical breakthrough. The beginning of the study of anatomy had just begun. Scientists were sure that there had to be some sort of system that the brain used to control the rest of our bodies. And they were right. After they began to dissect some parts of the body, they discovered the nervous system. But this was extremely difficult to dissect and near impossible, leaving only a few small examples of what they thought controlled the human body. Until Dr. Rufus B. Weaver would meet a woman named Harriet Cole. These two would go down in history as Dr. Rufus being the first one to successfully extract a near-perfect nervous system, and Harriet Cole still hanging up to prove that to this day. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and it's great to hear from everybody again. My dogs are going crazy, and I am so sorry. I also have my little shadow that's awake, so if you hear any weird shuffling in the back, it is her. She's just on her iPad, but sometimes, you know, she moves around on the couch, or you hear her, and as soon as we get the studio done, we shouldn't have my crazy dogs or shuffling toddlers. On top of that, I do have my best friend Ray's kids here with me today. They are both napping right now, but I might have to record this in, you know, two parts. If that is the case, you know, my audio might go a little funny. And my mic is being weird. Usually I do some noise reduction and stuff before I post it because I'm like sitting above a vent and it can make some weird noises, but my like mic is making a staticky noise. Um. If I didn't need to have the episode up, you know, as soon as I do, because it's been a rough week and I haven't been recording and I'm literally recording this the day it goes up, I would have had my husband look at it, but he's not home and I figured I would just noise reduce as much as possible and then fix it for Sunday's upload. I have no idea what's going on with it. I haven't touched any of my knobs, but it's just, it's weird. I also didn't know it was doing that until I was listening to the opening and making sure that that was recorded, you know, right. So if my mic's also a little funny in that way, I'm sorry. I know I've said that the last like couple of weeks and I also know I've had people who listen who tell me that the mic sounds just fine, but I like to give you a heads up just in case it doesn't. Either way, I'm exhausted. I've got my Red Bull here and I am ready to talk to you about Harriet Cole. Now, I was originally going to do this as Sunday's upload, but as I researched it more and more, I realized it really wasn't a Sunday upload story. I was going to originally put this underneath the Uncovering the Unsolved, you know, category, but I realized that this was more like a monstrous mystery and not an Uncovering the Unsolved. Uncovering the Unsolved is usually unsolved murders, and I did, when I first heard about this, think that this was a woman who was just murdered, but as I researched it, I realized that the story about Harriet Cole sounds like a consensual story. You'll understand as we get into it, and that it would not fit underneath the Uncovering the Unsolved more likely a monstrous mystery, and that's why we're talking about it today. So the beginning of this story, I don't really have a lot. I have a very 
it's like a cut and dry minimal story of you know what happened between Harriet Cole and Dr. Rufus. It starts in 1880. In 1880, there was an African-American woman who would end up working as a custodian at Hanuman Medical College, I believe is how it's said. This was located in Philadelphia. I do want to note here really quick that in some sources, it's stated that Harriet was a long-term employee and one of the most long-terms. But to me, the the dates don't match up to that being true, but I do want to put that in there and we'll touch back on that in just a moment. Either way, Harriet would start working at this medical college as a custodian and it was around the time, you know, where African-American women weren't treated very well. So a lot of people would ignore her. They wouldn't talk to her a lot. They would just let her clean and then move on. And that's kind of how Harriet Cole got to know Dr. Rufus B. Weaver. Dr. Rufus was a professor of anatomy that was working at that college at the time. Now, when Harriet would go around and clean his labs and his classrooms, she would run into him and they would exchange conversation while she cleaned because he was being nice and Harriet didn't talk to many people. So it was nice to talk to somebody. And when she would drop in during classes, she would end up standing and listening to him teach his class about anatomy. So she would hear his speeches and his teaching a lot, and that is kind of how Harriet began to learn anatomy herself. Now let's touch back on Dr. Rufus a little bit. Dr. Rufus had a father who was also studying the anatomy of people. Most of who his father was studying were the thousands of soldiers that were being killed during the Battle of Gettysburg. Usually what would happen is his father would exhume the dead and send them off to be studied and he would occasionally help the studying and you know a lot about his father was a little fuzzy. Either way I do know that his father had some stuff to do with the thousands of soldiers that were dying. Not the cause of their deaths but you know exhuming them and bringing them back and whatever and looking at their anatomy and he would end up dying in a railroad accident. Now, Dr. Rufus would decide at this point that he was going to take over his father's research. And in doing so, he would get hired at the college in 1879. So he had only been there a year prior to when Harriet began working at the college. Most of what Dr. Rufus would do would dissect cadavers with his students and teach them about the body and anatomy while he was dissecting these cadavers. And like we said earlier, we'll rope back into Harriet. She would often come and clean his laboratories and watch him dissect these cadavers with the students, learn about it, listen to his lectures. And that is how she would learn about it and enjoy it. And this would give her and Dr. Rufus something to talk about because Harriet, like I said, wasn't noticed very often, but Dr. Rufus did notice when she came in to clean his classrooms and how interested she was about anatomy. And if you've met anybody who is passionate about their work, they love to talk about it. So Dr. Rufus and Harriet would begin to have conversations about this. On top of this, Dr. Rufus would end up complaining to Harriet about the lack of cadavers available to study. Most people didn't want to be donated to science and a lot of the cadavers were being acquired in not so legal ways. 
All of this would make a very, very serious impact on Harriet, and she would begin thinking about what she wanted to do to help. Harriet couldn't do much because she was just a custodian, but she really wanted to help him with something and to help further our knowledge in the human body and studying it. Then, Harriet Cole would get sick and end up dying at age 35 from tuberculosis. Now, if you don't know what tuberculosis is, it is a bacteria infection that usually attacks the lungs. I say usually because it can attack any part of the body, like the kidneys or the brain, and not everybody who becomes exposed to this bacteria will become sick with tuberculosis. These signs of tuberculosis are a bad cough that can last for up to three weeks or longer, pain in the chest and lungs, you will begin to cough up blood and sometimes mucus. Um, oftentimes, of course, people get weak, fatigued, they lose weight, they get chills, fevers, start to sweat at night. It's usually spread by airborne respiratory droplets, so that means if somebody coughs in your face and they're sick, you could get it. Um, if they and it is very highly spreadable. Now, tuberculosis, at least in the United States, is very rare. We do have some vaccines for it, but it is usually only given to infants and small children. When it is common, it is not used very often, and the vaccine does not prevent against getting tuberculosis. It just helps you not get it. Now, back in the 1800s, it was actually the cause of 25% of deaths. It was a lot more common to get tuberculosis and spread it. This is because the cities were crowded and the living conditions were not well at all and they were really filthy. And it was really easy for the disease to spread, especially around the poor people because they lived in worse conditions and much closer together. Now, like I said, Harriet would get tuberculosis, and unfortunately, she would die at 35 years old. After she had died, this is coming from Dr. Rufus, according to the story, she had come to Dr. Rufus and told him that she wanted to be a part of science. She wanted to help him discover more and to make an impact on science and what we know about the human body. Therefore, According to the story, Harriet told Dr. Rufus that he could have her body after she died. So, when she ended up dying, Dr. Rufus claimed her body, saying that, you know, she told him she could have him for science and that she was basically his. Now, before he would move on with anything, he would put her in a vat. I'm unsure what was in the vat, but it was something that would keep her pretty intact for a while. Now, it is entirely possible that Dr. Rufus and Harriet, when they had had these conversations, had not made a decision on what they were going to do with Harriet's body. It's entirely possible and does sound like Harriet did not know what was going to happen to her body after she died. She just wanted to donate it. And honestly, if Dr. Rufus was leaving her dead body floating in a vat of liquid for long periods of time, it almost feels like he was unsure what he was going to do with Harriet yet. Now, here's why I feel like it's weird that they said that Harriet was a long-term employee, and maybe this did mean that she was long-term, but before I mentioned when she died, I forgot to mention what year she died. She ended up dying in 1888, which would only put her working at this 
college for eight years. Now to me that doesn't sound like very long. It is a longer period of time, but they say that Harriet was one of their longest term employees and I'm unsure as to why that was because it was only eight years. Maybe it was different back then. Maybe there was job hop. I'm not sure, but I did feel like that was a little bit of a weird statement because she had only been there for eight years and then ended up dying. Now, Dr. Rufus did some traveling, of course, and would actually run into some other doctors. Him and these doctors would be looking at these partially extracted nervous systems and talking about them, and that's when Dr. Rufus decided he knew what he wanted to do with Harriet, and he told these other doctors what he wanted to do. Dr. Rufus wanted to be the very first doctor to fully extract somebody's nervous system so that we could see it in full parts. Of course, the other doctors would shoot this down and tell him nothing like that had ever been done before and it was impossible. But Dr. Rufus had made his decision up. He would return to Harriet's body and remove her from the vat. He then began to carefully attempt to extract her entire nervous system. It took Dr. Rufus anywhere between five to nine months in order to fully extract this nervous system. He would spend an average of 10 hours a day in his office with this body, removing the flesh from her and exposing the nervous system from Harriet. This took a mass amount of patience and skill to cut away the body from the nervous system. The nervous system is thin very fragile, thread-like pieces of this body. Because he was being so careful, Dr. Rufus wasn't cutting ginormous chunks out of this body and just throwing them away. He didn't want to risk cutting into any of the nervous system because this had never been done before. Nobody was entirely sure how everything ran. So he would chip away piece by piece, a painstakingly slow, process to hold up the integrity of this nervous system. Then when he was at the brain, he would separate the cranial nerves with needles, you guys, deciding later he was leaving the eyes in because it really brought everything together. When he left these eyes in, he would give them a hard injection. I am unsure what that is, but it did say to preserve those eyeballs. He would also remove most of her brain, leaving only the outer membrane because that is all that was left there. He would end up filling it with hair in order to make it look full so it seemed like Harriet's brain was still there. Now if you think about it, when he pulled these nervous systems out, if he were to leave them in the air, they would quickly dry up. They have been wet their whole lives. They are not meant to be dry. In order to combat this, as soon as he would expose these parts, he would wrap them with alcohol-wet gauze or cotton to protect them. Now, he couldn't just leave them once and leave them there. Dr. Rufus had to change these gauze so often in order to keep this nervous system wet and in perfect condition until he could get it all out. So over the course of that five to nine months that he would work on Harriet's body, not only would he painstakingly chip away piece by piece of Harriet, separating the nervous system by needles and very thin 
thin knives. He would also have to wrap them over and over and over in alcohol wet gauze multiple times a day to protect this nervous system. But it seemed to work because finally he removed the entire thing and he would coat this nervous system in a lead-based white paint to preserve it. Once this whole process was finished and it was all painted and ready to go, Dr. Rufus, before it would dry and stay in that position forever, would mount her nervous system in a display case for long-term learning. While he mounted it, he would attempt to shape it in the form of a human body and in a form that it was in Harriet. Now it sounds like this was the worst part of the whole process. Worse than chipping away from a body or changing gauze wraps and things like that, this was even more painstakingly long and wearsome because he was doing the same thing over and over and over and was never getting a break and I guess I can understand why that would be the worst part. Dr. Rufus would use over 1,800 pins in Harriet's nervous system. Now I do want to mention that the story says he got her entire nervous system out, but that is actually false. He got about 90% of her entire nervous system out because there are tiny, very, very strand-like pieces of the nervous system that run in between the ribs of our bodies. Those were near impossible to fully remove. A great example of how long this would have taken him to get all of those is if you rope back to the brain because it took him over a month to separate the pieces from the brain. If he would have removed all of the uh, tiny strands in the ribs, this would have taken him so much longer and this part was basically impossible for him to do. So he decided to just cut those out and leave them there. So I will continue to refer to this nervous system that he removed as a near complete because it is not a complete nervous system because he did not get the rest of those tiny strands out. You guys, he would stand back and this would be perfect. It would be done and amazing and he would begin to show people here and there and everybody that he would show was so shocked that he was able to remove a near entire nervous system he would decide to take this beautiful scientific work of art and go and show it at the Chicago World Fair in 1892. He would be praised by the scientific community for his hard work. They had so much more information about the nervous system and the body all because of Harriet. And they would hand him an exposition medal and the Blue Ribbon Premium Scientific Award. And when they would ask him about this display, he would just tell them that its name was Harriet. Of course, originally Dr. Rufus had created this nervous system as a tool to learn from, but it became famous very quickly because it was the first ever successful near full nervous system extraction. Other doctors would stare at this work in just awe. And of course, as people do, a lot of them decided that they could do it as well and it wasn't that hard. And they would begin to try to replicate the work of Dr. Rufus. 
with only three successfully replicating the removal of a full nervous system. Even to this day, this human nervous system hangs up inside the Drexel University College of Medicine. It is hanging in a glass case located outside of their bookstore, and it is still used as a learning source and a historical mark. It has undergone some restoration processes because they've needed to keep it strong and new looking. Now, if you wish to see this nervous system in person, which you can, you do have to make an appointment with the university to have a staff member join you, or you have to come to one of their events when they usually open the bookstore up to the public, and this will allow you to look at it. If you can't go see this in person and can't make any of that work out, of course you can look at it on the internet and in textbooks. There are still photos of it and it is still being used to learn from. But really, the mystery in this story is the story itself. The nervous system is real. It did come from a real human who was once alive. We do know that. But the story about Harriet and Dr. Rufus is still fuzzy. Because after the display came out, it was such a big accomplishment that nobody really cared about who it came from. Everybody was so busy looking at it and learning from it and being in awe that really the only information we could get and did get was that Dr. Rufus called it Harriet. It took decades for the story we just talked about to arise. The first time anybody really gave us any information on this display happened in 1902. This would come from an unnamed reporter who would cover the story of the nervous system. This reporter would name the nervous system Henrietta, which if I want to add a little funny note here, that is the name of one of my chickens. But anyways, that was our first official time we would see any name really given to her. This unnamed reporter would also say that she was a 35-year-old healthy woman, and that was all we got from this unnamed reporter. The name Harriet Cole, which is the name that we know her by today, appeared in Van Bunn's remarks in 1915. He would describe this woman as a poor immigrant woman who was 36 years old without a large amount of fat, and that is how it was possible to successfully remove her nervous system. He would call her anatomically perfect in his writing, and that is where we get the story of Harriet Cole. The story came 22 years later, so we don't know if this is the actual story of the full anatomy that was extracted. We are unsure if the story of Harriet is actually true. It could have been a folktale that over the years had been connected to people's head as fact, shared so many times that it became what we believe to be as fact. But this story could have never happened, and it could not have happened at all the way we claim it did. We still to this day do not know if this nervous system belongs to a woman named Harriet Cole. We do not know who this nervous system belongs to. We know it is a real human nervous system, but not who it belongs to. 
In this story, this poor woman had talked to Dr. Rufus so much that she decided to give her dead body to him. But it is entirely possible that he lied about this story, if this did come from his mouth, telling people that she offered her body to him for science, and that never happened. It's entirely possible that this is a woman named Harriet Cole who worked at this college and she just died and he claimed her body, saying that she gave it to him. It's also possible that she did give her body to him. And you guys, it's also possible that this was a stolen body. Like I talked about earlier at the beginning, at the time, the bodies that they were able to get their hands on to really dissect and look at what was going on on the inside were criminals or they were being murdered or stolen. They were not really acquired in the best ways. Now, I don't think that Harriet was a criminal in my personal opinion. I do feel like we would have been able to find some evidence supporting that, but it is also entirely possible that she was stolen or murdered. A lot of the times, people who were at the lowest of the low, who were poor and just not really well looked at, were the people who would become subjected to the studying because they could pick these people off. They could either steal their bodies or they could murder them and they would not have a lot of people who were hugely distressed that they were missing or died. They were very easy targets and people didn't look for them when they were distressed and missed them. It is entirely possible that Harriet is one of these bodies as well. A stolen body of a loved one that Dr. Rufus came up with this story about. Or Dr. Rufus murdered her because he decided he wanted to be the first doctor to remove a nervous system. It's entirely possible. To this day, we are unsure if the story of Harriet is even true or if the person that's hanging up was a body that was stolen or murdered. Will we ever find out the truth of what happened to Harriet Cole? We are still searching for that truth to this day. Or do you think this is going to be a mystery that we are going to hold on to for the rest of our lives? This podcast may contain false or misleading information. If you are interested in knowing more about any stories shared on this podcast, I highly recommend doing your own research. All listeners are advised that these are stories and folktales. The information shared must be taken carefully and skeptically, because you never know what could be real and what's just a story. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.